good. First, what's that game? Is that technically a game winner? First one. But, uh, Question. All right, here we go. Smart, looking, looking for Tatum. Gets it in. Tatum takes it. I am hot. Ho, 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 man. All right, Kimba right away. Walker goes baseline, sends it back out to Smart. He'll try a three. Got it. Marcus Smart is so good. Marcus Smart is so good. Smart, same spot, same result. Haywood again comes away with it on the run. Bounce pass. Hello and welcome back to the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Celtics Reddit, Brutal Gash. Joining us as always from up there in beautiful Newcastle, it is of course Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Welcome back, Jackson. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for having me back for another season. You can tolerate my, my ramblings again, so I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> stoked to be back. New season. Keen to discuss it with you. Yeah, just issued you that uh, contract extension, a la uh, Jalen Brown. Million. Ready to get back Thanks, to man. it. <laughs> Dinner's on you. Uh, and of course, from across the Tasman, our New Zealand correspondent, it is of course Joe, aka No Scrooge McFly. Joe, how have you been, man? It's been a while. Good, man. I'm, I'm pleased that my uh, my rookie option's been picked up for the pod. <laughs> this is a contract year for you, Joe. You've got yeah. to keep it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> uh, you won't be able to see this at home, people on the podcast, but I thought I'd show the lads. It's pretty nice sitting out here right now in New Zealand. Oh, he actually lives oh, yeah. on a farm. Is that some sheep in the background? <laughs> Those aren't actually sheep, <laughs> although that would be very on brand. They're goats. Yeah. She's pretty nice out here. She's pretty nice. Eat your heart out, Australia. Yeah, I, can, I think the I can, microphone's yeah, picking up I, some goat noises I've right got now, such actually. Good farm ambience from that mic, man. It's like I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> what a moment. What a, what a start to the season. This is my favorite time of the year. If there was an actual goat noises that got picked up for the pod i think that would be great um but that was my favorite time of the year it's early season nba i really enjoy the early season and uh she's beautiful beautiful weather beautiful climate over here in um, new zealand yeah absolutely so we're five games into the season now and we've got a slight sense of who this team is or at least who they might become and We're going to bounce that idea around for a little bit and talk about new takes on the team so far and expectations and, you know, things that might have surprised us and things like that. And later uh, in the Reddit recap, we'll discuss some of the week's top posts from Celtics Reddit. And because it's been a while since our last podcast, we'll take our time. We'll see what other topics come to the surface and we'll go from there. So like I said, five games in, let's open things up with these three basic questions and just kind of rip off of that. Starting with how do you guys feel about the team so far? What, if anything, has surprised you? And what do you think the trajectory is for this team for this season based on what you've seen so far? Like, are we good? I think we're kind of good. Take it away, Joe. Well, I think we're kind of good. <laughs> to you use your words, but just put them, you know, slightly different emphasis. I, I really enjoy watching the team. I think for all of us, I think we all felt that Milwaukee game was like a little bit of a test for even if they didn't have to win the game, but like just what sort of a team is this, you know? And um, I was really happy with how they responded. And I sort of feel like when I plop down on a, on a Saturday afternoon to watch the game, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be regularly sort of subjected to these, just um, that, that re- regularly subjected to these sort of games where the guys just sort of seem to give up. Um, so I'm, I feel really good about that. Um, 
the third question thing was like, you know, where do you think the ceiling for this team is kind of essentially yeah. or the trajectory? I still think the trajectory is likely a really tough second round exit. I, I, I feel like that's the most likely um, thing. And that's, I'm fine with that. Like we, we can still make a trade. Things can still happen. Um, there's potential for growth, but I still, that's where I'd pick it. My most surprising thing, well, honestly, was probably Carson Edwards like coming out nervous. <laughs> he was so <laughs> nervous against Philly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say about Carson Edwards, probably that like three quarter, that third quarter he had against Cleveland was probably the worst thing could have happened for his career. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like everyone bought in. Now he's like, give him the green light. He can just go and shoot his light, shoot lights out. And he's, he's yeah, I, I, I can't remember the last time he hit a three. Has he hit a three yet? Maybe in the, against the the first Knicks game. Anyway. I don't know mm. what he's hit. He's hit very little. Um, barely the rim at so times. Like one and two the last couple games or something. But um, uh, yeah. But no, um, how do I feel so far? Matt, I feel better than I thought I would. I thought we'd probably be maybe three and two now. I, I got the feeling before the season that we would beat all the teams that we should, that are like significantly worse than us. There would be far less like banana skin slip ups like we had last year. Mm-hmm. But teams that were better than us, that had the difference in uh, talent or quality, they would typically um, beat us down uh, most of the time. So the win against Milwaukee, um, having, you know, to go up against Giannis and this time, you know, really fighting and nullifying him properly, particularly after a rough first half. That was a fantastic sign. Uh, even the Raptors at home, um, we probably should have won that game. But again, I, if we lost that game, I wouldn't have walked away like sulking just because of the expectations that we have so far. But based on everything I've seen, based on the feel of the team, I, it, I, better than I thought. Better than I thought. It's got me getting like a little carried away almost, a little too optimistic. Small sample size, obviously, but I mean, so far it's like I, I couldn't have asked for a better start, really, except for the Philly loss, of course. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the um, like the vibe around the team and the um, the vibe. The the yeah, it's, it's mm. a it's a vibe thing. Uh, and just well, the uh, yeah. <laughs> so like you mentioned, like sitting down watching the game the other day, I was watching the Milwaukee game, and I don't remember feeling that awesome watching a Celtics game all of last year certainly in the the run the year before you know um, all credit to Kyrie in that particular portion of his Celtic career felt very good about that team had a lot of fun watching the games but for the majority of last year it was either we had to kill teams or if we lost like it was crushing and we'd fallen way short of expectations this game against the Bucks uh, reminded me of those Isaiah Thomas teams it's almost like a premium version of one of those teams where everyone is mm. slightly upgraded Kemba is maybe slightly better than Isaiah Thomas um, this version of Jason Tatum is you know an upgraded version of Crowder etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but they they still have that sort of lovable um, go get them kind of aspect to them that we sort of um, know and love about past Celtics teams and it's kind of good to see in the early stages that they're sort of um, they're carrying on that that tradition for lack of a better term yeah the um, underdog tag is back basically yeah absolutely and it worked to their advantage um like getting back to that bucks game Mar- marcus smart was the most marcus smart i think i've ever seen him I love um, if it weren't for his compression shorts i think you'd see his balls dragging along the, the court <laughs> there like that was so big <laughs> and brazen he was just doing every he was his presence on the court particularly in the second quarter where it was like oh hang on this is going to go from a 20 point blowout to a 30 or 40 point blowout and Smart was just like Hodor, like hold, holding the door of the of the blowout, um, and just like saving us from the, the horde of zombies. I'm going off on a tangent here, but 
you know what I'm saying, right? Like Marcus Smart willed yeah. that team back into the game, and that is the most fun that you can possibly have watching he ref- a modern he, re- he refused to lose that game almost on his own. It felt like, and that bled into everyone else after a while. It's real interesting that we have this, you know, to kind of squish together what I, summarize how I felt about what Ben was saying. Like we have this team with an underdog tag that's actually really talented at the same time. Um, and I, maybe the reason why we were underdogs is just because even though we're really talented, we're considered flawed. And I agree. I think the, the team is currently con- constructed as flawed, but um, I'm just enjoying it, man. Like, we don't have to win every year, you know. Um, we hope to win, um, but yeah, we don't have to win every year. It's not what you get the enjoyment out, right? Like, get the enjoyment out of watching a team that fights really hard and and wins a few, you know. Has the odd comeback one. It's great. It's good fun. It's so much nicer having that as your team as well, too, because like the expectations of last season when they just weren't met upon, like it was, it felt way worse than probably the reality the situation was, oh, or maybe sure. it wasn't because Kyrie was a nightmare. But <laughs> um, now they feel like, yeah, we feel like, like you said, the vibe of the the sixteen seventeen team again, or even the seventeen eighteen team to a degree. Once like Haywood and Kyrie both went down, it was a similar vibe then too. Um, it just feels like there's, yeah, it's it's house money. It's almost like a free hit, and it's such a lovable team too. That now that I'm starting to get worried about my expectations starting to grow and grow and grow because <laughs> I really feel like there's, you know, flaws aside, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, yeah, the, the spirit and the determination of this team, it's just, it, it's impossible not to believe and, and get behind them. So even if they, they, they're a letdown or they're a disappointment from night to night because of bad shooting or whatnot, like it's just, it's not going to like linger or fester like last season did. So it's refreshing to have that, you know, that is your team as opposed to what we had last year. I will say, like, stylistically, I thought um, in the preseason, I thought we looked awesome, you know. That's that's the other element that can make a really enjoyable season, right, is if your team just plays beautiful basketball. And I wouldn't say I feel like we've gotten to the point where we're consistently playing, like, really beautiful basketball. But, um, you know, I've enjoyed it nevertheless. We've got some, we've got some bunnies coming up on the schedule, which is probably bad <laughs> probably, probably bad luck to admit um so we'll see how we go with him yeah I mean, we're definitely playing beautiful second half basketball in the last few games there's, there's no denying that and if you're True. gonna play good basketball yeah. in one of the two halves second half is probably the way to go Be the one <laughs> so what about you know we're five games in what about this team has surprised you like surely we kind of predicted everything that we've seen so far or not seen so what's been surprising to you so far with this this squad I don't know if I'm surprised so much, but uh, Kemba's integration into the team has mm-hmm. like it, it felt like it took like a game and a half. It took like that first Philly game and the first half of the New York game, and then like a fl- the, the switch just flipped, yeah. and he's been like unconscious ever since. He's such a good leader, and like his scoring, he just gets points without you even almost realizing it. And I think that's because he gets to the free throw line so much, something they just haven't been used to. But there was a play in the game yesterday against the Knicks. And I think Kemba was sort of isolated at the top of the three-point line. And he was he, he gave it off to Smart. And Smart gave it back to him. No, sorry, I'm missing a key point here. He faked out whoever was guarding him, gave it to Smart, oh, and yeah. then Smart immediately gave it back to him. Yeah, and then he, he got contact. Yeah, it was just a quick little smart play at the end of the shot clock that resulted in free throws. We would not have got that last year with Kyrie. Like, I just don't feel like that's the play that he would have, you know, made to getting to getting contact and that kind of awareness and shit like that too. So Kemba hasn't surprised me so much, but it's really, really good to see. I'm, I'm, I guess surprised it has to be the word to see just how well he's integrated so far and how much of a leader he is so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just just on that, sorry. So uh, Kyrie Irving last year, this is one of hopefully very few times we'll bring up Kyrie Irving on this podcast. Average ah. free throws attempted, 3.7 for the entire season last year. Kemba Walker so far this year, average free throws attempted. And yes, it's only five games, 8.2 free throws attempted mm-hmm. in those five yeah. games. And to have a guy who can get to the that's line like that, even though he's a little miniature guy, <laughs> um, that's an awesome quality to have and a quality that we've missed. Now, hopefully, we get Cantor back and we can address the rebounding issue, and then uh, and then we can carry on from there. But uh, sorry, sorry, Joe, I cut you off there. What were you saying, man? Speak for yourself about Kyrie. I plan on bringing him up quite regularly with things going <laughs> <laughs> with much joy as well. <laughs> what has surprised me probably is um, is probably Grant Williams's impact on defense. Mm, um, spicy. I didn't yeah, think I he would. Like, I didn't think he would be a shot-blocking threat. Um, and I didn't, you know, it's actually, it's probably one of the harder transitions. Like, Grant Williams was a star player in college, and he's actually been able to instantly adapt to being a role player. You know, his mm-hmm. mentality is, like, he just always makes things happen in, in the mold of, you know, um, someone who's kind of been humbled. <laughs> and um, he should, you know, like, he was a star player. He was the guy. And... Um, he clearly, he clearly is very adaptable emotionally. You know, if he can, if he can just sort of subvert his, his ego um, mm-hmm. to being like, right, my job is to come in there and just get get every ball I can. You know, that's a really hard thing I reckon for a young guy. Yeah, obviously Al Horford is irreplaceable, and yet if there was going to be anyone coming into the league that we could draft that had as many of Horford's qualities as possible, it's it's mm. got to be Grant Williams, right? I never thought of that. You know, I don't Neither think he's I, yeah. as he. You, you wouldn't say he's as as athletic as Horford is, but like, sure, no, but it, you know, I mean, he blocked those, like he's, those blocks he's been getting. Man, he's just been eating dudes up. Like, I mean, clearly he's an NBA athlete. Well, yeah, and I remember all the things that we would gush over Al Horford for, um, like his feel for the game and like the off off the stat sheet stuff and the intangibles yeah. and all that kind of stuff um, that we loved him for as people Celtics fans, you know, who watch all of his minutes on the on the team. Um, I feel like I'm I'm getting a similar level of appreciation uh, for similar aspects of the game through watching Grant Williams. I guess that's the comparison. It mm-hmm. makes it makes totally. sense. I, I, maybe yeah. another way to frame my surprise would just be that, that he's playing crunch time so regularly mm-hmm. you know he's he f- honestly feels like the seventh guy right now you know yeah. yeah yeah it's like he hasn't even had to earn it like he obviously has earned it from what he's been doing in practice in the preseason but like you know he was in, he's been put in and like key moments of the game and you know he's i think he's, he's earned his way into almost being in there in crunch time almost and that's for a rookie that's amazing so yeah it's very good science for him yeah, he's definitely impactful, and unfortunately, I don't have his plus-minus stats up currently, but I, I know they're good. Like, I know they're on par with the, the best of the rest of our team. Um, the, the biggest surprise for me, just to move on quickly, is Jalen Brown, and unfortunately, we haven't seen him in the last two games. Um, mm. But just to quote a post to the sub earlier this week by user Elite Speak, it was a Mark D'Amico tweet stating that Jalen Brown is averaging 10.3 drives per game so far this season more than double his average of 5.1 last season. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great to see. Nice. And I know, um, obviously, Hayward and Tatum and these guys, there's a clear direction. There's a, a clear commitment to just, like, get to the bucket. Unfortunately, in Tatum's case, it doesn't always result in a high percentage finish. Um, but Jalen Brown uh, is getting to the bucket. He's scoring. He's doing insanely well. Uh, looking a lot less stylish and soulful, in my opinion, after... Um, 
getting rid of the, the flat top, but um, the ball's going in the hoop and he's aggressive and he looks like a he looks like a real NBA player. Um, yeah. And for a guy that we've just committed a lot of money to, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah. I don't know. The the the, uh, the buzz cut to big beard look seems to be very uh very it seems to be working for him. You know, it's almost like a hardened mold and stuff like that. But anyway, enough <laughs> about that. Um, he, no, under- he's, um, <laughs> he's, he underwent um, a head inversion. You know, like he's gone basically yeah. top, uh, you know, top heavy to, to bottom heavy yeah. in one cell swoop. Speaking Sweet. of which, did you, did you see Carson Edwards shaved his dreadlocks off yeah. today? I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> End of an maybe, era. Maybe he's following Jalen Brown's footsteps, I yeah. swear. Um, <laughs> um, now, also his, his handles too. He hasn't, like we said, small sample size, even less that he hasn't played all the games too. But I think there was one move against Toronto where he like went behind the back and just fashioned a pass out of it that like, you know, in the previous years he just would have fumbled away more most of the time so that's good joe you've commented in our like chats during the game that he's he's looks so much more patient you know around the rim he's like picking his moments a lot better and um just finishing in general man i'd hope that he would develop you know the, the, the maturity in his decision making um but I'd, you know i'm mildly surprised to actually see it happen i, I did wonder you know the worst case for jalen brown is that he just he's only a guy who can essentially operate at 100 miles an hour, which is still a useful NBA player. You still need guys, but that, it just just means he's just a role player, really. You know, mm-hmm. if he can, if he's just living in transition and spot-ups and occasionally pushing the ball um, off a rebound, like that, that's a pretty limited sort of role for him. You, can't, you can do that and still be useful as an NBA player, but you can't be a star. Um, mm-hmm. But if his decision-making progresses like it seems to have, then... then I'm a bit more optimistic about him becoming a plus value, you know, relative to his contract. Yeah, and if that quality t- continues to progress at a similar trend as uh, guys like Hayward and Kemba start to regress in terms of their um, athleticism and therefore their impact on the court and, and things like that, I'm probably being, being a little over-optimistic here, but there could be the sort of ultimate... X factor crossover point where the downtrend of our older veterans, uh, all stars like Camber and, and and Gordon Hayward, um, you know, intertwines with the uptrend of, of guys like Tatum and Brown, and we we get this like nice little, I don't want to say championship window. Obviously, that's that's going well out of line, but we get this window of um of success um, where everyone's at the right point in their career at the right time, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think if I think if our starting five were all playing in their at their peaks at once for the duration of a season, I think that's a finals team. Again, might be optimistic and stuff, but like if you talk about all these guys at their peaks at what I suppose a lot of that's potential and whatnot. But like, shit, I think Tatum at his peak now, whatever we think that is, is a very very impressive player. We haven't even talked about Tatum yet, anyway. But yeah, yeah. So I I don't know if I agree with what you're saying, Jackson, because I I think that if everyone was at the peak of their powers, then we have a similar situation to last year where there's too many cooks in the kitchen, too many mouths to feed. At the moment, Tatum and Brown are still kind of up and coming, even though they're, you know, coveted and, um, you know, highly celebrated by Celtics fans and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. And and Kemba and Hayward are established. Um, And so they're they're on different layers, different levels or tiers from one another at this point. as the top tier con- continues to trend downwards and the bottom tier, Hayward and Brown, trends upwards, there might be a changing of the guard, so to speak. Um, whereas if they're all on that top level at the same time, I don't know if they could coexist um, and have the cohesion necessary to be a championship team. Does that make sense at all? 
Am I completely out of line here? To, no. to, a, to, to, a, to a degree, but I think that, again, I think that was last year's. We saw how it went bad last year, and I think we can attribute a lot of that to, you know, egos that needed to be checked. I feel like everyone that's still on the team this year has maybe moved past that. Again, I'm optimistic. I'm thinking big, like, dreams here and shit. But <laughs> You've already dropped I, the confetti. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Way, way, way too early. But, hey, it comes around sooner or later. But, yeah, look, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just high on this team at the moment. That's all. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to wonder long term how our particularly our three wing guys fit together. Um, it, it's sort of you know they're not all going to be here in three years' time. I I don't think. Um, so you know who know who knows which one of which one which one will be on the out, but um, it's probably not going to be Tatum. That's for sure. Actually, um, so yeah, I I do. I do think that there is something to what Ben's saying, that there needs to be a natural hierarchy. Um, there needs to be some roles. But mm. I guess, you know, Jalen's a lot better in his role if he can attack a closeout, you know, and not turn the ball over or throw up a wild layer, you know. Um, so I guess I guess what I want to see is growth in in their roles and also the, the, the tasks that naturally, um, I guess, fall to them coming off their roles are things that expand, you know, like if you're Jalen Brown, you're not going to be a primary initiator of the offense like Gordon Hayward and Tatum are probably going to be, right? Mm-hmm. But I need to see you attack a closeout and not draw a charge. I need to see you run the occasional, you know, second side pick and roll. You know, I need to see, I need to see those things from them. And, and, um, and so far, so good, man. Um, I think they all seem like pretty reasonable guys. Um, I really do blame Kyrie for last year, man. Like, I really do. They look all seem the- like nice guys. Yeah, look at what's going on with the Nets already. I don't know how much of that is fabricated by the media, but there is a lot of consistency in terms of stuff, negative stuff coming out about Kyrie Irving now from the Cavs to the Celtics and now to the Nets. Like the, the constant there is Kyrie Irving. Um, I was saying to you guys on our chat earlier this week, I was a little surprised at how early in his Nets tenure this kind of stuff has come out. But it really does, um, uh, I guess, vindicate a lot of the other guys who are remaining on our team in that, like, you know, we could probably just rest assured that Kyrie was to blame there and, like you said, kind of move on. I don't know. What do you guys think? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think I'm, it's clear what you think sorry i've moved on i've moved on i've moved on so far it, it, it's not funny it, like I'm, i i've got nothing against the nets so to speak but every time i see them, them lose i just it just i just crack a little smile it's so good i feels think good. i think let's, let's yeah. not lie about it, it feels fucking awesome I love <laughs> totally, to see yeah. and we do and we do have the luxury of a season without kevin durant with him as well because i think i think it all changes when he comes back if he is the same as he was before but yeah this season we kind of you know if, if it goes badly we just get to point and laugh at him and it's going to be great it's just a shame we don't have one of their draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are really playing uh, like a team right now that could use prime Kevin Durant. So um, hopefully, for their mm. sake, they get him back. But in the meantime, it's um, satisfying. What can I say? Um, like you mentioned earlier, Jackson, we haven't spoken about Jason Tatum yet, who is gradually, if you look at his game by game shooting percentages, learning how to shoot again or remembering um, his his previous glory in in the world of shooting his three-point shooting has been pretty consistent up around 48 percent which has been great Mm -hmm. particularly in the last two games really liked what i've seen out of jason tatum he's starting to like now finally take the reins in terms of like fulfilling that role of this smooth all-starry up-and-coming wing player you know in this 
this NBA world where it seems like the majority of stars, actually, as I say this out loud, I'm, I'm probably, this is probably not accurate, but I feel like the majority of, of stars are like point guards, like Zippy point guard, Kyrie Irving, Dame Lillard style, or like powerful wing players, like your Durants and your uh, Kawhis and, and things like that. Obviously, I'm not comparing Tatum to Durant and Kawhi at this point, but he's at least now playing that role on our team, if you know what I mean. Um, and it hasn't been awful. He's still got a lot of room for growth, decision-making, um, shot percentages, shot decision-making. Um, but it certainly looks like an evolution from all prior seasons of Jason Tatum. It's just good to see him getting that chance. I think we're sort of starting to get a picture of what he is going to look like in his prime years. Yeah, um, I think so too. You know, because he is kind of in a role now where he's probably, where maybe I feel like he's going to be, which is, you know, at least co-primary option, um, primary option or co-primary option. And um, in that respect, we're seeing some flaws. Like clearly he's not the most native guy finishing at, at the basket. I think, mm. I think this is, I don't think this is like a total one-off trend. You know, I think last year he really struck last year. He forever get the ball stripped trying to pick it up, you know, like he's mm-hmm. yeah. trying to, that mm-hmm. was so common. There's still a little bit of that. There's still, um, there's, there's, yeah. There's reasons to believe that um, he, you know, is, isn't maybe like naturally that dude going to the rim, but I love the intent. I love his decision-making this year. Absolutely love it. And I, I think that's a major, major, major cause for optimism. Um, I I still, I can't help but compare him, you know, to the other guys who are going to be his peers when he's in his prime. Like, do I think he's going to be as good as Doncic in his prime? No, I don't. No. I think Doncic is. Not, no. Yeah, I think Doncic is probably. I reckon Doncic is going to be the dude, eh? But of this era, that's it my prediction. Yeah, but you know, Tatum's still going to be really good. He's going to be right up there with him. Those, you know, I think he's probably going to be a, a top ten-ish guy. Uh, hard to know, you know. Once you're in the top ten, where exactly you'll fit in that? But mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be I'd be happy if he ended up like somewhere around like the Bradley Beal sort of level i'm gonna say happy like i mean yeah that would be like a nice sort of consistent you know like stat line to have on your team every night i think he can be better than that like something i've liked so far is is like his playmaking like i've said i've noticed he's like bringing the ball up you know a bit more often than than he used to at least from what i've noticed anyway i think the first basket of the game yesterday was he drove to the rim attracted all the players and then like they did this like dump off bus uh, almost almost behind the back yeah. past the hayward for a dunk too that was that was a really really pretty particularly for the first play of the game and um yeah now look um we we all kind of want i'd say i don't want to speak for everyone here but i'd say if we had to like hope for like one player to to to, like have that leap to really like you know take their game to the next level even if it was to like the detriment of the team just slightly as a whole if that makes sense i think we would want it to be tatum because if he can fulfill that potential that everyone seems to like have at least some sort of belief that he could reach he can be you know that 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 top top tier player which is like i think why we're not considered like like a finals team yet is because we don't have that caliber of player that is an Embiid, a Giannis, a Kawhi, a Davis, etc i'm not saying that Tatum is like knocking on the door of that yet but i think he can get there yeah i uh i think he's gonna be just a hair below i just think Tatum's gonna fall into like i feel like Tatum's gonna fall into like Paul George like, I feel like he's going to be that standard of player, which is awesome. He can totally be the best player on a really, really, really good team. But 
We don't think of Paul George as like, if you've got Paul George, your team is going to be a contender guaranteed, right? Like we yeah. would with Kevin Durant. Not, with, not without like a Kawhi with it. No, nah, like just there'll, there'll have to be something else with with um, with Jason, I think. Yeah. But he's better than Jalen. He's definitely, to me, clearly better than Jalen. And, um, and his different strengths. And Jalen has different strengths as well. So I'm optimistic for those guys as complementary pieces. Yeah, I think there's something there in the future if they continue to progress at their current trajectory as a duo. Um, hopefully, they don't just like both or, or either one of them hit a ceiling sometime soon. If they continue to grow for like another three years and get better each season, I feel like the combination of the two and the, the chemistry they'll have together at that point, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's something there just based on, on the chemistry. There's a lot of Tatum to Brown and Brown to Tatum assists already this, this season, which is really promising to see. They, they do play quite well together. They won against New York mm. where Tatum drove baseline and found, um, found Brown. Like he sort of looked to the corner, sort of looked that defender off and flung it to Brown on the, at the 45. That was nice, man. That was, that was another example of, oh, yep. You know, we're seeing we're seeing a more mature version of these guys. That was a good, it's been commented on a lot that particular pass, but it was a great read. I don't know if you yeah. know, <laughs> you're looking at me blankly. Yet, but. <laughs> that's my that's my standard <laughs> face. Sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah. So also the the Brad Stevens element there, like their entire NBA upbringing has been with Brad Stevens, and if he continues his tenure as the Celtics coach, and these guys you know get re-signed and continue their tenure with the Celtics. Maybe I'm being up too optimistic again, as I tend to do, but I, I do feel somewhat confident that there's a lot of room for growth there still between the three of those guys, Brad Stevens being the third. Um, it, it does it does seem like they can... I feel like they can get somewhere as a trio. Um, and then if there's a lot of clever roster building around that uh, in terms of role players and, and you know you keep a, a guy in either Kemba or Hayward's role to sort of supplement... Um, the Jays, then I feel like there's something there. Mm. We just I need a like... center, and we're actually like you talk about where our trajectory is. If Tristan Thompson magically materialized on this team, at least in how I remember Tristan Thompson, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, like I think we're right there. I think at that point we're right there, West, but we are still that piece away. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's that's actually what I want to get to. There's two more things I want to get to before we get to the Reddit recap. One of them uh, is Hayward, who we'll get to in a second. The other thing is the big man situation, right? So we've seen this kind of revolving door big man uh, rotation at the moment where as as I'm sure none of us predicted Daniel Tice is our starting center uh, we're seeing decent minutes from Time Lord given what we saw from him last year Cantor is unfortunately out but was reasonably effective in, in spot situations against Embiid in, in game one uh, and then I don't think I've seen enough of Poirier if I'm saying that correctly I always mm. say that incorrectly Poirier yeah so, like, what are your thoughts on this situation? Because it just seems like a um, a mystery shrouded in ambiguity currently mm. for me. I th- I think it's just one of our most obvious flaws as a team that we don't really have a solution to at this point. Like, it's it's to the point where I look at the fixture list coming up, and like, you know, I shudder to think about like the games against Detroit or Minnesota, or just in this, or like the Jazz, like it was just a dominant big man that I just don't think we'll have any answer to uh, whatsoever. This is why we struggled so much against Philadelphia, because they're basically all big men. Um, but look, I think 
We haven't seen enough of Canter yet. I, I, I'm hoping out that his defense can be a little bit better as advertised, which much like Kemba has, you know, just, just not to go off on a tangent, but if his defense is a little bit better than what we anticipate, then I think that's going to bode well. I obviously, Time Lord, I'm a big believer in Robert Williams. I hope he, I, I believe he can get to like some like DeAndre Jordan almost level of impact player, but he's got a lot of work to go. Poirier, you're right. I think the jury's out. We haven't seen enough of him. And uh, look, Tice is like, Tice is nice, but like everyone... <laughs> Daddy T. <laughs> yeah, man. And he's got a nice cult following and everything like that. And I like having him on the team, but, like, man, I just wish we still had Baines, hey. I really wish we still had Aaron Baines. I look at him, what he's doing in Phoenix and what he did for Australia in the World Cup, and I'm like, ah. So you been like, four threes today. Yeah, broke Steph Curry's hand. What a legend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, joking, dark. Joking. <laughs> and, Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Darkness um, is spreading. But yeah, you're right. I have no idea where it's going to go. I'm hoping Robert Williams becomes that unicorn and just like takes us to the to the to the promised land. But uh, it's probably just going to be a combination of Cantor and Tice for the season, probably. My thing with Robert Williams is okay. He's going to block a lot of shots, but he he's just a bit skinny. Like he just doesn't feel like a physical force when he's in there. I'm never like okay, he's going to come up with that rebound. I actually yeah. feel better with Grant Williams so often. I just feel like Grant Williams just physically impacts the game so much more than Williams does. I mean, Williams is a supernatural shot blocker. Williams is such a confusing prospect for me. Like, I I don't know what box to put him in. I feel like we've discussed this before, but, like, he does idiot things, but then he's a fantastic passer. Williams is is a fantastic passer, and that's indicative of some real basketball ability, you know? But it just, he feels, it's like, it's like he should be a, a wing. But, you know, yep. he feels like he's masquerading as a power player a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him so far this season make great passes, entry passes, I guess, from the perimeter into the post and also make excellent passes out of the post as well, back out to the perimeter that lead to buckets. Great decision maker in that sense. Um, isn't too risky, kind of knows the threshold there for like what's a sensible pass and what isn't. Um, but he's, some of his timing on defense... He's got heavy feet. <laughs> like... Yeah, like he doesn't seem to be able to stay in front of his defender. Um, I think it was John Corrales who was talking about this in a much greater detail than I'm capable of. Basically, that he's um, he's moving his hips instead of moving his feet or something like that. Um, so hopefully that's an easily corrective action that he can address mm. or the, the coaching staff can address. Also with the blocking, like you said, Joe, very natural shot blocker. I wish that he would, um, <laughs> as, as cool as it is to see him block shots into the stands, maybe block them to one of your teammates or just grab onto the ball or, you know, mm. get, get possession. That's kind of the ultimate um, goal there with, with blocking a shot. Um, a lot of growth there for Robert Williams of the Time Lord, but um, I'm enjoying watching him get these extra minutes. And from this standpoint of lesser expectations this season compared to last year, it's like we can just roll these guys out there and see how they go. That's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying mm. this team. Yeah, I, I, I don't know whether you know his defensive habits are necessarily easily correctable. I think there's a lifetime of habit building that goes into that. But it gives us something to watch, right? It gives us, you know, w- w- you know if, we, if we notice that Robert Williams, instead of blocking three shots a game, is blocking one and a half shots a game, but his his man is getting like way fewer offensive rebounds. He's a way more effective player in that role. You know, mm-hmm. um, he just, that's the thing about shot blockers, right? It's not about the shots you block. It's about the shots that don't go up, you know? Um, that's that's the real impact of a, of a true shot blocker, you know, a true defensive force, you know? Sure. Intimidation at the rim. Intimidation, man. Make it just, make, a dif- make them make a decision that's different to what was optimal. 
Yeah, I feel like that's the ultimate compliment. Like we talked about um, like how great the remainder of our starting five is in terms of a good mixture of um, all-star or prior all-star talent and, and young plucky upstarts in, in the Jays. Um, I feel like the perfect compliment to that is the rim enforcer, right? The, the, the rim runner, the shot blocker, you know, grab a rebound using that passing ability, get it out to, you know, Gordo or, or, or Kemba or someone on the break. And, and that's maybe like the trajectory potentially if Rob Williams starts to fill out for this team this year, like closer to like March, April, maybe. Well, Stephen Adams would be a thing. I think that the, the, the trouble is, right, like the only guy we can really trade, like if we, to get the salary together, right, the only guy who can go out for anything significant is Hayward, right? I mm-hmm. think I really think that's something to watch going forward mm-hmm. in the season because um, if we're going to get somebody who's got any kind of, you know, price to them, uh, it's got to, Hayward's got to be in the trade, you know, or smart mm-hmm. and over my dead body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think the fans would, would riot. They but would. Uh, great, great segue moving on to Hayward there. How, how are you guys feeling about Hayward so far? Yeah, great. Yeah. Happy. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy, happy, happy. Not, yeah. not totally, totally satisfied. Um, expectations are lower. I don't expect him to be a, a, a you know, all star level player, but he's been playing a great role. I feel like he's oftentimes. I feel like man, Hayward needs the ball more. Hayward needs the ball more. He's a great decision maker. Down the stretch against Milwaukee, they ran like three times in a row this play where he was sort of making a cut up from the corner and catching at the top and going into a pick and roll. And uh, I was really pleased to see that. I think he's. I just I want to see him a little more aggressive. Uh, yeah, he 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 looks more aggressive, but you wouldn't necessarily categorize it as a, as aggressive or aggression. It's more just confidence in general, isn't it? Like there's the more there's more drives to the to the hoop, which is like you know everyone can see that straight away. Uh, the three point shooting's been decent too. Like I mean, the like Kemba was finding him off. Um, um, off a few plays last night that was um and hit big big shots that were important as well too. But like you know, I I think everyone was. Some people gave up on him midway through last season, and I thought that was just you know absurd given the circumstances of his comeback and everything like that. So for me, it was like I needed to see like a real clear improvement this season, or I was gonna like start writing him off as well. And mm-hmm. through five games, um, I've seen I've seen enough to suggest that he's not necessarily back, but he is well on the trajectory to getting back, and maybe even getting better than what he was in in Utah. We don't know, but you know, it's 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 happy. It's not. I'm not satisfied. I'm not stoked. I'm just I'm happy for him mainly. Um, for his recovery to, to this point. He's, he's playing like a good player, you know, um, not a max contract level player, but we'll, we'll take it for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the aspect of Hayward that I've enjoyed the most so far is the grab the board, push it in transition and immediately make a freaking awesome play version of Hayward. I feel like last year we were, the primary Hayward play or possession was he would catch the ball back to basket on the elbow. I think it's like part of a, I think it's a horn set. And then there'd be some action sort of off the ball with Hayward, still with the ball with his back to the basket in that that position. And now he's getting the ball in the backcourt and, and bringing it up and, and, and making plays. And there's this uh, two-headed monster playmaking weapon that is Kemba Walker and and Gordon Hayward or, or sometimes Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward and you know my gosh when Smart Kemba and Hayward are all on the court at the same time that ball is just fizzing around and that is mm. I feel like where we're at our best we've had more of an opportunity to see that with with um 
with Jalen out, unfortunately, with an illness. But yeah, the, the playmaking really and the aggression in, in pushing the ball and not necessarily athleticism with Hayward getting above the rim or you know any highlight plays, but just his aggression and his confidence in, in pushing and making the plays that like he's known to be able to, to make. And now we're finally seeing him do that properly and consistently on this team. Unfortunately, more so in the second half still, like the rest of the team than the first half. But I think they'll, uh, they'll build on that as the season progresses. It's good to see. Now, guys, 4-1 record, ninth in defensive rating. A caveat there, it's early in the season. Ahead, us in de- ahead of us in defensive rating are teams like the Magic and the Suns. 12th in offensive rating. Again, the caveat, the Pelicans, the Wizards, and the Suns are all ahead of us in offensive rating. Maybe 7th yeah. in net rating for the Celtics so far is a little bit more telling. 3rd best assist to turnover ratio in the league. And we lead the league currently in turnover possession, which is turnovers per 100 possessions. Sorry turnover percentage which is turnovers per 100 possessions um so we're at least taking taking care of the ball we've got control of the ball um during these early stages now that's that's the the statistical summary we've talked a lot about this team in depth guys before we move on any final thoughts about how you're feeling uh about this team so far it, it's still too early to say other than I, I'm very satisfied with what I'm seeing so far. Not, not trying to get too carried away. I am a little bit, but I think um, <laughs> I, I think we're slightly better than advertised. I still don't think we're going to quite be the top two best teams in the East, but um, we're, we're trending towards a very satisfying season, I think. Put it this way, this time last year, remember the Magic game last year? Like, real early season against the Magic, and we'd had that uh-huh. bad preseason... We had a really close win over the Knicks. It was just like, it just wasn't right, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we were, after that Magic game last year, everyone felt weird. We we're like, hey, hang on, we should have dusted that team. And um, there hasn't been any, like, thing this year to say, oh my gosh, like, there's just been zero alarm bells that have rung um, relative to expectations, certainly. Um, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this team. I'm, I think that the 20 game rule is still pretty useful to apply. Um, I'm not going to draw any conclusions about the team, but I do think there are, um, I think that the decision-making stuff, you know, is indicative of the intent that, that, that the guys are playing with. And, um, and that's something that I expect to carry over, you know, like Tatum's not going to continue to shoot 48% from three. But he's also not going to be continuing to shoot forty percent overall from the field, you know. Sure. Like all that stuff will come out on the wash. But the the decision making is stuff that I would expect to see be a, a more permanent change. Yeah. Yep. All sensible stuff. Uh, all right, folks. The Celtics Reddit recap is coming up in a moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsors. Ah, just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. But here's some funky music. get back to our regular weekly programming this is the celtics reddit recap where we review the top posts from the past week on celtics reddit sometimes there's some really nice original content to dive into sometimes there's not either way we're committed to it but without any further delay user fevers mirrors posted um do you guys want to take a guess what the top post was on celtics reddit over the past week uh tatum's game winner ding 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 ding. you are correct sir it is the tatum game winner um (laughs) 
I mean, what else is there really to say? The highlight guru himself, user Fever's Mirrors, uh, posted the the Tatum game winning shot. This was not the first Tatum game winner. We we did technically get one. I think it was last year against the Knicks in a, a similarly terrible game that ended well. But um, this in particular, I don't know. Like walk walk me through it, guys. Like where were you? Um, obviously it had been a pretty tense game up until that point, you know, culminating in this game winner. Yeah, like talk me through it. What was your experience? I was very much preparing myself for overtime and a <laughs> loss, to be honest, because it was just one of those games where they we just couldn't get rid of we just couldn't get rid of them. And Marcus Morris was prepped to have his big revenge game, and I was like, oh, shit, okay, whatever. Um, and then he puts this shot up, and I couldn't I couldn't tell if it was a good or a bad shot. So I think if, I think if anyone else took that shot, I'd be like, what's that about? But the fact that it was Tatum made me just think, nah, he, he does this. <laughs> he does this a lot. He, like this kind of, this mm-hmm. kind of shot here. And it, when it went down, it was, it was more of a relief than anything else. I wasn't ecstatic. Like if that's how we had beaten the Bucks or uh, the Raptors or whatever, it would have been like, you know, pure gangbusters. But I mean, for me, I was just more relieved, very, very happy for him, obviously. But um, yeah, no, nah, well, um, yeah, it might spur more for the, from the season coming now. Like you, that shot doesn't go in. It's like that season, that that game last season against the Magic, you know, yeah. it was like something's wrong here. Whereas you get that game winner nice and early. We've already had the big comeback game. We've already had like a like a, a, a clutch game winner. Like we're starting to build a resume of like just good wins here. I think you need mm-hmm. a good category of wins over the course of a season to get somewhere. So look, yeah. um, obviously that came to me after the fact, but um, no, it was, <laughs> it was a nice, satisfying shot. I was um, yesterday, annoyingly, um, I was in the middle of a course. I'm trying to get my ticket as an accountant right now. and. Um, and it was an afternoon afternoon tea break was started and there was like it was three and a half minutes um on the clock so like sweet i'm gonna be able to get through this but obviously i didn't factor in the the fact that the nba crunch time right now takes so long because there's endless replays (laughs) they really milk it yeah (laughs) so what happened was i was half watching like i was you know i was doing what i had to do in this course and then, um, but I had to, to to jump out. Like I saw Tatum reacting after a foul. I saw a smart miss a free throw. I was like, bugger. And then I saw Tatum reacting angrily and I could see it was on the defensive end. So I was like, oh, something's gone wrong there. And then um, I flicked it over and I saw them jumping up and down. So I sort of... <laughs> That's a great experience. I, yeah, yeah. It was very... It was good to see the celebration. Uh, yeah, it was very piecemeal. Um, but I got the idea. <laughs> yeah i think there's something there for all of us in this part of the world as far as um i don't know if it's like a montage that would be possible of all the times we've had to um like uh, as a mute like ce- celebrate a game-winning shot or like a, a game-winning block or some epic moment in the dying moments of a game and you're like in a meeting like with the game like minimized to the bottom corner of your screen or something that's that's the world we live in having been in the states recently and the games being on at night it's like weirdly uh, difficult to adjust to because you have plans in the evening and you're like, well, these games are on, but I'm out at like dinners and stuff and I can't actually watch them. Whereas if they're on in the middle of the day, no, no issues there. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, was, I guess it goes both ways. I was, real quick story, I was at work on the phone with a customer watching the Lakers game last year, the Rondo uh-huh. game winner. Oh, and yeah. it, I was so close to just hanging up on this woman and just having a fit. <laughs> it was the hardest like minute and a half. And it was like this important call too. But yeah, no, I know what you mean there. Yeah, the, I don't know if like, people in the States know the pain of like, yeah, trying to like watch it at, at your desk discreetly and it's a close game it sucks yeah yeah I, um i mean I, oh, actually funny on this last game 
I don't know if you you might you probably won't remember the possession, but smart. I, th- I think Barrett was picking was this was in the last three or four minutes. Um, I think Barrett was bringing the ball up the court. Smart picked him up full court and really pressured him and was like really close to an eight second call. And like I totally forgot where I was in a you know room with like you know twenty other accountants. And I was like, and I was like, <laughs> I just, yeah, those are the moments I'm talking about. Yeah, those are the moments we live for. <laughs> um, user Larbird33 commented on this post. He says, I love this guy, obviously talking about Tatum, more than any young player we've had since Pierce and probably more uh, more than young Pierce considering he's the same age Paul was during his rookie season. I'm really happy we are over the Anthony Davis shit so we can fully embrace him. Totally. And uh, yeah, and just to follow up from that, another user, Cousin Annie writes, of course, Scal has to bring up Orlando. You talked about another, an earlier Orlando game from last year, Joe, but um, I don't know if you recall, it's been talked about all over Twitter and Reddit, but um, basically the same play was run against Orlando last year and it ended up with um, Hayward making that smart entry pass to, to Tatum. Shot was obviously missed and then Kyrie loses his shit very publicly and it was kind of the beginning of like, well, hang on a second. Like, uh, a what's, what's going on with this team? Yeah. This, this guy's a little strange on and off the court. So it all kind of is part of the better vibes Celtics that we're seeing now that Smart makes the pass. It goes in. It's part of Tatum's upward trajectory. Like it, it's kind of, it all fits. Um, and it's all, it's, things are, um, it's the natural state of things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. To it's interesting. <laughs> like even if that shot had missed, the reality is we'd probably have gone to overtime. You know, and, and we'd probably have won in overtime. It's it sort of feels like <clears throat> goes to show you that's that there's not a lot of difference between winning and losing even in a season. Yeah, uh-huh. a, a season can be very, very two seasons can be very, very similar in so many respects. But if you're tied with the shot to go ahead, it's very different to being down one with needing a shot to win or tie. You know, um, and yeah. that's where the Celtics are. They they're taking care of business enough that they're not behind. And they're they're in a position where they do get to play with house money. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I I want to say that uh, for the first time in a while, because even though we're like older men, <laughs> like you you kind of look up to these guys. You know what I mean? Like Jalen Brown, Tatum. You're like, oh, like I my hero. Like maybe not to that level, but uh, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I really got a sense for the first time just how young. Tatum or like how young 21 is in his post-game interview um like he was so boyishly excited and there was a, a part where he was talking about how he wished Mook was guarding him during that play and like he just lit up and like he couldn't contain his excitement and he, he spoke way more than um like he ever had in any sort of interview situation that I'm aware of like he was just so lit up by the situation and so hyped by that moment and you could tell that it was like almost a little bit too much for his young self, like to be in that moment that he'd always dreamt of. I think that was really yeah. cool to see, but also a reminder of like how young he is and how far he's got to come or got to go. It's a totally different walk of life, man. To be 21 years old, a millionaire. He's got a, he's a father as well. And like, yeah. you know, to, to have the childhood, you know, from the moment that pe- people would have identified him as like a, a, an NBA prospect up until now, it's just like living on another planet, man. So the fact that he seems like, doesn't at least seem to be, you know, a, a total, you know, douchebag or like really full of himself or anything like that. I'm kind of happy to see him just as like this kind of like, you know, boyish 21 year old um, mm-hmm. as well too. So yeah, no, nah, I sometimes get stuck thinking about what it would be like to be a professional athlete and all these <laughs> things you wouldn't consider and it's, it's a head spin. So yeah. 
yeah, yeah cannot, cannot imagine. imagine. All right, so moving on, another Reddit user, Gallivant, posted a snippet from one of Danny Ainge's radio interviews on Toucher and Rich. Never listened to it, personally. Danny Ainge said that when the Celtics play pickup games, Marcus Smart is always picked first because no one wants to play against him. Uh, any surprises there, guys? And if you are drafting your own Celtics pickup game, uh, who would you draft first? Ooh. I probably would go Smart. I feel like, like right. there's a reason why you actually feel like he gives you the best chance to win, you know? Like, he yeah. really does give you the best chance to win. He, he, man, he maximizes everything um, around him. Yeah, plus you could say to him, hey, um, like, I'm obviously terrible at basketball compared to everyone else in this, this little um, draft, um, but, like, I'm really good at, like, shooting from the left elbow, and I feel like he would just make that happen for you. Yeah, him and Hayward would probably accentuate your one skill <laughs> over anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like Hayward, eh, even though I just probably bagged him a little bit. I still feel like this is a bit of a tangent. I feel like Hayward's actually the best player. Once you take away all the kind of noise around the, the recovery from the injury, he's probably still uh-huh. actually the best player right now. You know, yeah. Um, even if I don't expect him to be the best player in two years, or or even at the end yeah. of this year, yeah. That, that they definitely answered that question was like they want smart on the team because no one wants to play against him. I don't think anyone's there like getting him as the best player, but it's like I don't want those elbows, I don't want that mouth at, coming at me and like you know throwing me off my rhythm. But I'd rather have that as a weapon on my team as well too. So it says a lot about the kind of person that he is. That it's not like it's not that no one's discounting his basketball you know ability, but it's just the type of player that he is that you don't want to go against him. So yeah, it, that it, by 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 that process, you have to have him on your team. It's just, yeah, it fits him to a T. It's just, this is one of those things that just underscores how different the NBA life is because don't they shoot free throws for teams <laughs> like we do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so just to clarify that, Jackson, you're going Marcus, uh, Marcus Smart as your first pick on your Yeah, why fantasy. not? Why not? Yeah. I, think, I think so too, yeah. Yeah, I think I've got to go with Hayward, to be fair. I, basically, because of everything that you just said before, Joe, uh, Hayward um, just seems like the ultimate first pick i think i might regret that if i ended up getting matched up on marcus smart let alone any nba player but um hayward just seems like the guy who would like kind of set you up and and keep the whole team uh glued together yeah Yeah. tough choice choice i feel like i've played with like so many guys like the best guy in the game is that hayward guy you know you can picture it he's he's coming down he's kind of slumming it with you guys he's He's actually, he just chills. Occasionally, he'll just make a super athletic move. He just moves at a slightly faster speed than everybody else, but he's not taking it that seriously. I feel like I've yeah. played with guys like that so many, and, and Hayward reminds me, like I can totally imagine Gordon Hayward being like that in a pickup game. Just too good. If, in all honesty, if I could have like one guy on my social team that I play with, it'd be Taco Paul. Because <laughs> <laughs> no three-second rule. All you'd have to do is just just throw just lob it all game long, and everyone gets ten assists each, and he gets a hundred points. So yeah, I'd probably go on that round. Yeah, yeah. Un- underrated pick. <laughs> yeah, Very underrated so. pick. Yeah. <laughs> user. So on that post, another user, Jodima Five writes, "Marcus Smart. I hope he retires a Celtic. Um, I-, I feel like he- so he is now the the longest tenured Celtic." Do you see Marcus Smart going anywhere at any point in time? I, I know that he's kind of the, that one. We've talked about this a million times. He's that one contract that is that mid-level that makes certain trades possible. But like he's Marcus freaking smart. 
do you, do you see Danny Ainge pulling the trigger there if the right package comes up? Or do you think that he's more along the lines of, this is our guy, like he's basically the captain of this team, like we can never trade him? You can never say never. You know, I mean, Smart, you remember, man, I don't know how many years ago it was now, he got real fat during the season. Remember that season? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Smart, Smart can still do stuff detrimental to the team. It is possible. But I'd, oh, I'd be devastated if he got traded. Yeah. Devastated. I, he, he, he is, it's a cliche, but it's like he is the heart and the soul of the team. He embodies, I think, everything of what people would agree is like Celtic pride. Like, it, it is Marcus Smart. He is the leader. And I don't think there's any dispute about that. I don't, I, I, it's impossible to say that he'd finish his career as a Celtic. Like, I just think maybe like, we have him for another four or five years, like we have him for his real prime, and then he goes somewhere else in the, in like his twilight years. Um, even that upsets me. I'd love to see him like to his whole career with us too, but it's too hard to say. But I don't think I don't think he gets shipped out in the in the meantime in the next like three or four seasons, unless it's like you know it's it's some sort of you know Anthony Davis, but not an Anthony Davis situation level you know talent that you can get a hold of. So sure, nah. yeah, a premium package. Which mm-hmm. I just I don't think is out there, and and like a guy like Miles Turner or Sabonis or someone on on that level of a big man, which yeah. we kind of need. Um, I don't think Smart's worth it in that situation, so I don't see it happening either. Yeah. I mean, he's our best big man right now, probably anyway. Yeah, <laughs> best big man <laughs> defender, true. absolutely. Yeah. Almost time to wrap this one up, guys. Any any final thoughts? Any departing or parting words of wisdom or anything along those lines? My only my, okay. This is more of a general NBA comment. There's always a team that pops that you never really thought was going to do it. We don't know who it'll be yet. And that's what I love about the early season. You know, mm-hmm. I just think, let's be humble, guys. There's some, some team is going to come out of nowhere and it's going to be really, really good. Don't know who it is. Prediction, who do you think? <laughs> um, and, and why is it the Celtics? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think, I honestly think, my, this is my actual prediction, I, I would not be surprised if the Raptors won 60 a game. Like, I think the Raptors yeah, right. are just really, really good. They, they had a tough yeah. night tonight, but the, yeah. no one is thinking of them as contenders. And, oh, my gosh, Siakam is good. <laughs> yeah. mm. True. Very true. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on the Raptors a little bit. If I'm going to say, like, a team that pops, not necessarily, like, like contender, I'm going to say Phoenix. A lot, Ooh. A, because of Baines, but B, just, I've watched a couple of their games, and then they don't look too bad. Like, I don't mind the, I used to hate Kelly Oubre. I'm, I'm kind of over that now. I think he's been playing quite well. Rubio's added a lot to that team as well. And the fact that they're without their best player, uh, Aiton, for like 20 games, and they're still looking decent once he comes back in, I think, like, they could be pretty decent, particularly if Booker starts doing his 70-point bloody voodoo shit on a more, on a more regular <laughs> basis. So, no, I'm going to say Phoenix. I'm going to say Phoenix. Yeah, I've got the Miami Heat there. I think that like they've got had some mm. surprise, um, surprise dudes for lack of a better term. Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero has come out really strong. I didn't watching good. him in college. I thought that he was one of those guys that wouldn't like translate to the NBA. I just thought that he was too um, like w- weak. And but he's really come out strong. Um, you know, he's out there playing with the big boys, and he, he's knocking down shots like crazy. I was fortunate enough to pick him up off the waiver wire in my fantasy league and um, doing very well, doing very tidily. Thank you, Tyler Hero. Um, but as far as the Celtics are concerned, I feel like, like if this were a girl or a boy, whatever your preference, um, or like someone that we had just started dating, it's kind of like, okay, we've been on a few dates. They've gone really well. Yeah. We finally got invited up for a drink and fooled around a little bit with Tatum's game winner yesterday. <laughs> and now I'm trying to stay cool and like not stand... 
that were text messaged every few hours, which is what I want to do. I want to get and shout it from the mountaintop that I freaking love this team. Like that's that's yeah. where I'm at. They're, <laughs> they're, they're bringing me back to like why I wanted to start this podcast, right? And like why yeah. I've lo- obsessed over the Celtics because of that, how they make you feel. And like they're making me feel that way again. And it feels fucking great. I love it. Yeah. Here come the Cleveland Cavaliers to be like, calm down, man. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Tristan One, Thompson, 30 and 15. Yeah. <laughs> the Celtics team is really rating well on the crazy hot matrix, you know? It's pretty hot. It's not like a, it's not like a 10, you know, yeah. but it's like a solid oh, yeah. 7. Quirky, but yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of quirky. Yeah, if the, yeah. If, if the Celtics team was a, was like a, a celebrity, like I'm just I'm thinking like Friends character or something like that, you know? Is this like first season of Friends, um, Rachel? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, my friend. I got to say, my friends. I was gonna say, tweet us if you know. Not deep. <laughs> you go for answer because I got no idea. Yeah, uh, I'll take your word for it. That that actually seems like a, as good a place as any to wrap this one up, guys. I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Please go ahead and rate comment, subscribe, and all of those wonderful things that you can do to help us out. Uh, and if you'd like to reach out, the best way to do so is honestly just to comment on the Reddit thread for this episode because um, we'll all get notified and uh, we can reply to you there and, and start a discussion. Probably the best way to do things. We'd love to hear from our listeners, so please hit, hit us up and give us your thoughts. Um, other than that, like we mentioned, we've got the Cavs coming up. We've got Scary Terry's Hornets and the always difficult Popovich Spurs all coming up this week. Uh, any predictions there, guys, before we go? I'm thinking 3-0. and Two and one at worst, given that Pop always gives us some problems. Uh, maybe maybe Terry Rogier drops 50 on us. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think two and one. I think, um, yeah. yeah. I don't think we're I'm, at that level yet where we just expect to dominate things. So, yeah. I'm going to say two and one, but the loss will not be to the Spurs. I think we're going to lose there to the Cavs in the morning. Mm, interesting. Bounce back win against the Spurs. Mm. Fingers crossed, yeah. All right. I'm sitting at 3-0. and I hope to very smugly um, celebrate that in front of you guys uh, next week. But until then, thanks as always for tuning in. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.